Section 21 of an Essay Concerning Human Understanding by John Locke. Book 4 of Knowledge and Probability. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Chapter 20 Of Wrong Ascent or Error. 1. Causes of Error, or How Men Come to Give Ascent Contrary to Probability knowledge being to be had only of visible and certain truth error is not a fault of our knowledge but a mistake of our judgment giving assent to that which is not true but if assent be grounded on likelihood if the proper object and motive of our assent be probability and that probability consists in what is laid down in the foregoing chapters it will be demanded how men come to give their assents contrary to probability. For there is nothing more common than contrariety of opinions, nothing more obvious than that one man wholly disbelieves what another only doubts of, and a third steadfastly believes and firmly adheres to. The reasons whereof, though they may be very various, yet, I suppose, may all be reduced to these four one want of proofs two want of ability to use them three want of will to see them four wrong measures of probability two first cause of error want of proofs first by want of proofs i do not mean only the want of those proofs which are nowhere extant and so are nowhere to be had but the want even of those proofs which are in being or might be procured and thus men want proofs who have not the convenience or opportunity to make experiments and observations themselves tending to the proof of any proposition nor likewise the convenience to inquire into and collect the testimonies of others and in this state are the greatest part of mankind who are given up to labor and enslaved to the necessity of their mean condition whose lives are worn out only in the provisions for living these men's opportunities of knowledge and inquiry are commonly as narrow as their fortunes and their understandings are but little instructed when all their whole time and pains is laid out to still the croaking of their own bellies or the cries of their children it is not to be expected that a man who drudges on all his life in a laborious trade should be more knowing in the variety of things done in the world than a pack-horse who is driven constantly forwards and backwards in a narrow lane and dirty road only to market should be skilled in the geography of the country nor is it at all more possible that he who wants leisure books and languages and the opportunity of conversing with variety of men should be in a condition to collect those testimonies and observations which are in being and are necessary to make out many nay most 
of the propositions that in the societies of men are judged of the greatest moment or to find out grounds of assurance so great as the belief of the points he would build on them is thought necessary so that a great part of mankind are by the natural and unalterable state of things in this world and the constitution of human affairs unavoidably given over to invincible ignorance of those proofs on which others build and which are necessary to establish those opinions the greatest part of men having much to do to get the means of living are not in a condition to look after those of learned and laborious inquiries three objection what shall become of those who want proofs answered what shall we say then are the greatest part of mankind by the necessity of their condition subjected to unavoidable ignorance in those things which are of greatest importance to them for of those it is obvious to inquire have the bulk of mankind no other guide but accident and blind chance to conduct them to their happiness or misery are the current opinions and licensed guides of every country sufficient evidence and security to every man to venture his great concernments on nay his everlasting happiness or misery or can those be the certain and infallible oracles and standards of truth which teach one thing in christendom and another in turkey or shall a poor countryman be eternally happy for having the chance to be born in italy or a day laborer be unavoidably lost because he had the ill luck to be born in england how ready some men may be to say some of these things i will not here examine but this i am sure that men must allow one or other of these to be true let them choose which they please or else grant that god has furnished men with faculties sufficient to direct them in the way they should take if they will but seriously employ them that way when their ordinary vocations allow them the leisure no man is so wholly taken up with the attendance on the means of living as to have no spare time at all to think of his soul and inform himself in matters of religion were men as intent upon this as they are on things of lower concernment there are none so enslaved to the necessities of life who might not find some vacancies that might be husbanded to this advantage of their knowledge four people hindered from inquiry besides those whose improvements and informations are straitened by the narrowness of their fortunes there are others whose largeness of fortune would plentifully enough supply books and other requisites for clearing of doubts and discovering of truth but they are cooped up in close by the laws of their countries and the strict guards of those whose interest it is to keep them ignorant lest knowing more they should believe the less in them these are as far nay further from the liberty and opportunity of a fair inquiry than these poor and wretched laborers we before spoke of 
and however they may seem high and great are confined to narrowness of thought and enslaved in that which should be the freest part of man their understandings this is generally the case of all those who live in places where care is taken to propagate truth without knowledge where men are forced at a venture to be the religion of the country and must therefore swallow down opinions as silly people do empirics pills without knowing what they are made of or how they will work and having nothing to do but believe that they will do the cure but in this are much more miserable than they in that they are not at liberty to refuse swallowing what perhaps they had rather let alone and to choose the physician to whose conduct they would trust themselves five second cause of error want of skill to use proofs secondly those who want skill to use those evidences they have of probabilities who cannot carry a train of consequences in their heads nor weigh exactly the preponderance of contrary proofs and testimonies making every circumstances due allowance may be easily misled to assent to propositions that are not probable there are some men of one some but of two syllogisms and no more and others that can but advance one step further these cannot always discern that side on which the strongest proofs lie cannot constantly follow that which in itself is the more probable opinion now that there is such a difference between men in respect to their understandings i think nobody who has had any conversation with his neighbours will question though he never was at westminster hall or the exchange on the one hand nor at almshouses or bedlam on the other which great difference in men's intellectuals whether it rises from any defect in the organs of the body particularly adapted to thinking or in the dullness and untractableness of those faculties for want of use or as some think in the natural differences of men's souls themselves or some or all of these together it matters not here to examine only this is evident that there is a difference of degrees in men's understandings apprehensions and reasonings to so great a latitude that one may without doing injury to mankind affirm that there is a greater distance between some men and others in this respect than between some men and some beasts but how this comes about is a speculation though of great consequence yet not necessary to our present purpose six third cause of error want of will to use them thirdly there is another sort of people who want proofs not because they are out of their reach but because they will not use them who though they have riches and leisure enough and want neither parts nor learning may yet through their hot pursuit of pleasure or business or else out of laziness or fear that the doctrines whose truths they would inquire into would not suit well with their opinions lives or designs 
may never come to the knowledge of nor give their assent to those possibilities which lie so much within their view that to be convinced of them they need but turn their eyes that way we know some men will not read a letter which is supposed to bring ill news and many men forbear to cast up their accounts or so much as think upon their estates who have reason to fear their affairs are in no very good posture how men whose plentiful fortunes allow them leisure to improve their understandings can satisfy themselves with a lazy ignorance i cannot tell but methinks they have a low opinion of their souls who lay out all their incomes in provisions for the body and employ none of it to procure the means and helps of knowledge who take great care to appear always in a neat and splendid outside and would think themselves miserable in coarse clothes or a patched coat and yet constantly suffer their minds to appear abroad in a piebald livery of coarse patches and borrowed shreds such as it has pleased chance or their country tailor i mean the common opinion of those they have conversed with to clothe them in i will not here mention how unreasonable this is for men that ever think of a future state and their concernment with it which no rational man can avoid to do sometimes nor shall i take notice what a shame and confusion it is to the greatest contemners of knowledge to be found ignorant in things they are concerned to know but this at least is worth the consideration of those who call themselves gentlemen that however they may think credit respect power and authority the concomitants of their birth and fortune yet they will find all these still carried away from them by men of lower condition who surpass them in knowledge they who are blind will always be led by those that see or else fall into the ditch and he is certainly the most subjected the most enslaved who is so in his understanding in the foregoing instances some of the causes have been shown of wrong assent and how it comes to pass that probable doctrines are not always received with an assent proportionable to the reasons which are to be had for their probability but hitherto we have considered only such probabilities whose proofs do exist but do not appear to him who embraced the air seven fourth cause of error wrong measures of probability which are fourthly there remains yet the last sort who even where the real probabilities appear and are plainly laid before them do not admit of the conviction nor yield unto manifest reasons but do either suspend their assent or give it to the least probable opinion and to this danger are those opposed who have taken up wrong measures of probability which are one propositions that are in themselves certain and evident but doubtful and false taken up for principles two received hypothesis three predominant passions or inclinations four authority eight 
1. Doubtful Propositions Taken for Principles The first and firmest ground of probability is the conformity anything has to our own knowledge, especially that part of our knowledge which we have embraced and continue to look on as principles. These have so great an influence upon our opinions that it is usually by them we judge of truth and measure probability, to that degree that what is inconsistent with our principles is so far from passing for probable with us that it will not be allowed possible. The reverence born to these principles is so great and their authority so paramount to all other that the testimony not only of other men but the evidence of our own senses are often rejected when they offer to vouch anything contrary to these established rules how much the doctrine of innate principles and that principles are not to be proved or questioned has contributed to this i will not here examine this i readily grant that one truth cannot contradict another but withal i take leave also to say that every one ought very carefully to beware what he admits for a principle to examine it strictly and see whether he certainly knows it to be true of itself by its own evidence or whether he does only with assurance believe it to be so upon the authority of others for he hath a strong bias put into his understanding which will unavoidably misguide his assent who hath imbibed wrong principles and has blindly given himself up to the authority of any opinion in itself not evidently true nine instilled in childhood there is nothing more ordinary than children's receiving into their minds propositions especially about matters of religion from their parents nurses or those about them which being insinuated into their unwary as well as unbiased understandings and fastened by degrees are at least equally whether true or false riveted there by long custom and education beyond all possibility of being pulled out again for men when they are grown up reflecting upon their opinions and finding those of this sort to be as ancient in their minds as their very memories not having observed their early insinuation nor by what means they got them they are apt to reverence them as sacred things and not to suffer them to be profaned touched or questioned they look on them as the urim and thummim set up in their minds immediately by god himself to be the great and unerring deciders of truth and falsehood and the judges to which they are to appear in all manner of controversies ten of irresistible efficiency this opinion of his principles let them be what they will being once established in any one's mind it is easy to be imagined what reception any proposition shall find how clearly soever proved that shall invalidate their authority or at all thwart with these internal oracles 
whereas the grossest absurdities and improbabilities being but agreeable to such principles go down glibly and are easily digested the great obstinacy that is to be found in men firmly believing quite contrary opinions though many times equally absurd in the various religions of mankind are as evident a proof as they are an unavoidable consequence of this way of reasoning from received traditional principles so that men will disbelieve their own eyes renounce the evidence of their senses and give their own experience the lie rather than admit of anything disagreeable to these sacred tenets take an intelligent romanist that from the first dawning of any notions in his understanding hath had this principle constantly inculcated viz that he must believe as the church i e those of his communion believes or that the pope is infallible and this he never so much as heard questioned till at forty or fifty years old he met with one of other principles how is he prepared easily to swallow not only against all probability but even the clear evidence of his senses the doctrine of transubstantiation this principle has such an influence on his mind that he will believe that to be flesh which he sees to be bread and what way will you take to convince a man of any improbable opinion he holds who with some philosophers hath laid down this as a foundation of reasoning that he must believe his reason for so men improperly call arguments drawn from their principles against his senses let any enthusiast be principled that he and his teacher is inspired and acted by an immediate communication of the divine spirit and you in vain bring the evidence of clear reasons against his doctrine whoever therefore have imbibed wrong principles are not in things inconsistent with these principles to be moved by the most apparent and convincing probabilities till they are so candid and ingenious to themselves as to be persuaded to examine even those very principles which many never suffer themselves to do eleven received hypothesis next to these are men whose understandings are cast into a mould and fashioned just to the size of a received hypothesis the difference between these and the former is that they will admit of matter of fact and agree with dissenters in that but differ only in assigning of reasons and explaining the manner of operation these are not at that open defiance with their senses with the former they can endure to hearken to their information a little more patiently but will by no means admit of their reports in the explanation of things nor be prevailed on by probabilities which would convince them that things are not brought about just after the same manner that they have decreed within themselves that they are would it not be an insufferable thing for a learned professor and that which his scarlet would blush at to have his authority of forty-six years standing wrought out of hard rock greek and latin 
with no small expense of time and candle and confirmed by general tradition and a reverend beard in an instant overturned by an upstart novelist can anyone expect that he should be made to confess that what he taught his scholars thirty years ago was all error and mistake and that he sold them wrong words and ignorance at a very dear rate what probabilities i say are sufficient to prevail in such a case and whoever by the most cogent arguments will be prevailed with to disrobe himself at once of all his old opinions and pretenses to knowledge and learning which with hard study he hath all this time been laboring for and turn him out stark naked in quest afresh of new notions all the arguments that can be used will be as little able to prevail as the wind did with the traveller to part with his cloak which he held only the faster to this of wrong hypothesis may be reduced the errors that may be occasioned by a true hypothesis or right principles but not rightly understood there is nothing more familiar than this the instances of men contending for different opinions which they all derive from the infallible truth of the scripture are an undeniable proof of it all that call themselves christians allow the text that says a word in greek to carry in it the obligation of a very weighty duty but yet how very erroneous will one of these practices be who understanding nothing but the french take this rule with one translation to be repentos vous repent or with the other fatis pentis do penance twelve three predominant passions probabilities which cross men's appetites and prevailing passions run the same fate let ever so much probability hang on one side of a covetous man's reasoning and money on the other it is easy to foresee which will outweigh earthly minds like mud walls resist the strongest batteries and though perhaps sometimes the force of a clear argument may make some impression yet they nevertheless stand firm and keep out the enemy truth which would captivate or disturb them tell a man passionately in love that he is jilted bring a score of witnesses of the falsehood of his mistress it is ten to one but three kind words of hers shall invalidate all their testimonies quod volumus facile credimus what suits our wishes is forwardly believed is i suppose what every one hath more than once experimented and though men cannot always openly gainsay or resist the force of manifold probabilities that make against them yet yield they not to the argument not but that it is the nature of the understanding constantly to close with the more probable side but yet a man hath a power to suspend and restrain his inquiries and not permit a full and satisfactory examination as far as the matter in question is capable and will bear it to be made until that is done 
there will be always these two ways left of evading the most apparent probabilities thirteen two means of evading probabilities one supposed fallacy latent in the words employed first that the arguments being as for the most part they are brought in words there may be a fallacy latent in them and the consequences being perhaps many in train they may be some of them incoherent there are very few discourses so short clear and consistent to which most men may not with satisfaction enough to themselves raise this doubt and from whose conviction they may not without reproach of disingenuity or unreasonableness set themselves free with the old reply non persuadabis etiamsi persuaseris though i cannot answer i will not yield fourteen supposed unknown arguments for the contrary secondly manifest probabilities may be evaded and the assent withheld upon this suggestion that i know not yet all that may be said on the contrary side and therefore though i be beaten it is not necessary i should yield not knowing what forces there are in reserve behind this is a refuge against conviction so open and so wide that it is hard to determine when a man is quite out of the verge of it fifteen what probabilities naturally determine the ascent but yet there is some end of it and a man having carefully inquired into all the grounds of probability and unlikeliness done his utmost to inform himself in all particulars fairly and cast up the sum total on both sides may in most cases come to acknowledge upon the whole matter on which side the probability rests wherein some proofs in matter of reason being suppositions upon universal experience are so cogent and clear and some testimonies in matter of fact so universal that he cannot refuse his assent so that i think we may conclude that in propositions where though the proofs in view are of most moment yet there are sufficient grounds to suspect that there is either fallacy in words or certain proofs as considerable to be produced on the contrary side their assent suspense or dissent are often voluntary actions but where the proofs are such as make it highly probable and there is not sufficient ground to suspect that there is either a fallacy of words which sober and serious consideration may discover nor equally valid proofs yet undiscovered latent on the other side which also the nature of the thing may in some cases make plain to the considerate man there i think a man who has weighed them can scarce refuse his assent to the side on which the greater probability appears whether it be probable that a promiscuous jumble of printing letters should often fall into a method and order which should stamp on paper a coherent discourse 
or that a blind fortuitous concourse of atoms not guided by an understanding agent should frequently constitute the bodies of any species of animals in these cases and the like cases i think nobody that considers them can be one jot at a stand which side to take nor at all waver in his assent lastly when there can be no supposition the thing in its own nature indifferent and wholly depending upon the testimony of witnesses that there is as fair testimony against as for the matter of fact attested which by inquiry is to be learned v g whether there was one thousand seven hundred years ago such a man at rome as julius caesar in all such cases i say i think it is not in any rational man's power to refuse his assent but that it necessarily follows and closes with such probabilities in other less clear cases i think it is in man's power to suspend his assent and perhaps content himself with the proofs he has if they favour the opinion which suits with his inclination or interest and to stop from further search but that a man should afford his assent to that side on which the less probability appears to him seems to me utterly impracticable and as impossible as it is to believe the same thing probable and improbable at the same time sixteen where it is in our power to suspend our judgment as knowledge is no more arbitrary than perception so i think assent is no more in our power than knowledge when the agreement of any two ideas appear to our minds whether immediately or by the assistance of reason i can no more refuse to perceive no more avoid knowing it than i can avoid seeing those objects which i turn my eyes to and look on in daylight and what upon full examination i find the most probable i cannot deny my assent but though we cannot hinder our knowledge where the agreement is once perceived nor our assent where the probability manifestly appears upon due consideration of all the measures of it yet we can hinder both knowledge and assent by stopping our inquiry and not employing our faculties in the search of any truth if it were not so ignorance error or infidelity could not in any case be the fault thus in some cases we can prevent or suspend our assent but can a man versed in modern or ancient history doubt whether there is such a place as rome or whether there was such a man as julius caesar indeed there are millions of truths that a man is not or may not think himself concerned to know as whether our king richard the third was crooked or no or whether roger bacon was a mathematician or a magician in these and such like cases where the assent one way or other is of no importance to the interest of any one no action no concernment of his following or depending thereon 
there it is not strange that the mind should give itself up to the common opinion or render itself to the first comer these and the like opinions are of so little weight and moment that like motes in the sun their tendencies are very rarely taken notice of they are there as it were by chance and the mind lets them float at liberty but where the mind judges that the proposition has concernment in it where the assent or not assenting is thought to draw consequences of moment after it and good and evil to depend on choosing or refusing the right side the mind sets itself seriously to inquire and examine the probability there i think it is not in our choice to take which side we please if manifest odds appear on either the greater probability i think in that case will determine the assent and a man can no more avoid assenting or taking it to be true where he perceives the greater probability than he can avoid knowing it to be true where he perceives the agreement or disagreement of any two ideas if this be so the foundation of error will lie in wrong measures of probability as the foundation of vice in wrong measures of good seventeen five authority the fourth and last wrong measure of probability i shall take notice of and which keeps in ignorance or err more people than all the other together is that which i have mentioned in the foregoing chapter i mean the giving up of our assent to the common received opinions either of our friends or party neighbourhood or country how many men have no other grounds for their tenets than the supposed honesty or learning or number of those of the same profession as if honest or bookish men could not err or truth were to be established by the vote of the multitude yet this with most men serves the turn the tenet has had the attestation of reverend antiquity it comes to me with the passport of former ages and therefore i am secure in the reception i give it other men have been and are of the same opinion for that is all is said and therefore it is reasonable for me to embrace it a man may more justifiably throw up cross and pile for his opinions than take them up by such measures all men are liable to error and most men are in many points by passion or interest under temptation to it if we could but see the secret motives that influenced the men of name and learning in the world and the leaders of the parties we shall not always find that it was the embracing of truth for its own sake that made them espouse the doctrines they owned and maintained this at least is certain there is not an opinion so absurd which a man may not receive upon this ground there is no error to be named which has not had its professors and a man shall never want crooked paths to walk in if he thinks that he is in the right way wherever he has the footsteps of others to follow eighteen 
not so many men in errors as is commonly supposed but notwithstanding the great noise is made in the world about errors and opinions i must do mankind that right as to say there are not so many men in errors and wrong opinions as is commonly supposed not that i think they embrace the truth but indeed because concerning those doctrines they keep such a stir about they have no thought no opinion at all for if any one should a little catechize the greatest part of the partisans of most of the sects in the world he would not find concerning those matters they are so zealous for that they have any opinions of their own much less would he have reason to think that they took them upon the examination of arguments and appearance of probability they are resolved to stick to a party that education or interest has engaged them in and there like the common soldiers of an army show their courage and warmth as their leaders direct without ever examining or so much as knowing the cause they contend for if a man's life shows that he has no serious regard for religion for what reason should we think that he beats his head about the opinions of his church and troubles himself to examine the grounds of this or that doctrine it is enough for him to obey his leaders to have his hand and his tongue ready for the support of the common cause and thereby approve himself to those who can give him credit preferment or protection in that society thus men become professors of and combatants for those opinions they were never convinced of nor proselytes to no nor ever had so much as floating in their heads and though one cannot say there are fewer improbable or erroneous opinions in the world than there are yet this is certain there are fewer that actually assent to them and mistake them for truths than i imagined end of section twenty one section twenty two of an essay concerning human understanding by john locke book four of knowledge and probability this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by chad horner from ballyclare in county under northern ireland situated in the northeast of the island of ireland chapter twenty one of the division of the sciences one science may be divided into three sorts all that can fall within the compass of human understanding being either first the nature of things as they are in themselves their relations and their manner of operation or secondly that which man himself ought to do as a rational and voluntary agent for the attainment of any end especially happiness or thirdly the ways and means whereby the knowledge of both the one and the other of these is attained and communicated i think science may be divided properly into these three sorts two first physica first the knowledge of things as they are in their own proper beings their constitution properties and operations whereby i mean not only matter and body but spirits also which have their proper natures constitutions and operations as well as bodies this in a little more enlarged sense of the word i call word in greek 
physica, or natural philosophy. The end of this is bare speculative truth, and whatsoever can afford the mind of man any such falls under this branch, whether it be God himself, angels, spirits, bodies, or any of their affections, as numbers and figures, etc. 3. Secondly, practica. Secondly, word in Greek, practica, the skill of right applying our own powers and actions, for the attainment of things good and useful. The most considerable under this head is ethics, which is the seeking out those rules and measures of human actions which lead to happiness and the means to practice them. The end of this is not bare speculation and the knowledge of truth, but right and a conduct suitable to it. 4. Thirdly, word in Greek, semiotica. Thirdly, the third branch may be called, word in Greek, semiotica, or the doctrine of signs, the most usual whereof being words. It is aptly enough termed also, word in Greek, logica, logic, the business whereof is to consider the nature of signs. The mind makes use of, for the understanding of things, or conveying its knowledge to others. For, since the things the mind contemplates are none of them besides itself present to the understanding, it is necessary that something else, as a sign or representation of the thing it considers, should be present to it. And these are ideas. And because the scene of ideas that makes one man's thoughts cannot be laid open to the immediate view of another, nor laid up anywhere but in the memory, and no very sure repository. Therefore, to communicate our thoughts to one another, as well as record them for our own use, signs of our ideas are also necessary. Those which men have found most convenient, and therefore generally make use of, are articulate signs. The consideration, then, of ideas and words as the great instruments of knowledge makes no despicable part of their contemplation who would take a view of human knowledge in the whole extent of it and perhaps if they were distinctly weighed and duly considered they would afford us another sort of logic and critic than what we have been hitherto acquainted with five this is the first and most general division of the objects of our understanding this seems to me the first and most general as well as natural division of the objects of our understanding for a man can employ his thoughts about nothing but either the contemplation of things themselves for the discovery of truth, or about the things in his own power, which are his own actions, for the attainment of his own ends, or the signs the mind makes use of, both in the one and the other, and the right ordering of them, for its clearer information, all which three, viz. things, as they are in themselves knowable, actions as they depend on us, in order to happiness, and the right use of signs in order to knowledge, being toto coelo different. They seemed to me to be the three great provinces of the intellectual world, wholly separate and distinct one from another. The end. End of section 22. Recording by Chad Horner from Ballyclare in County Under Northern Ireland, situated in the northeast of the island of Ireland. End of an essay concerning human understanding. Book 4 of Knowledge and Probability by John Law.